Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 17. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. God is turning Absalom's heart And we read in Psalm 41, keep up Psalm 41, 42, 63, 55. All of these Psalms reflect these days of David on the run from Absalom and reflect the providential hand of God involved in the life of Absalom and David as David is running from his son. It's the Lord who decided to override the counsel of Ahithophel and deal with Absalom because the Lord loves David. And like it or not, sin and all, you're right on the, on the vertical and, 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 and because you're right with God, but you still have things to deal with on the horizontal. That sin, even through all of that, David is still a man after God's own heart. And God still loves David. All that sin, and you need to be glad about that, because he loves you and all your sin, too. And you should be happy about that. Yeah, go ahead and clap your hands. You should be happy about that, because he loves you and all your sin, too. God loves us just the way we are. And just because we sin doesn't mean he, like, kick you to the curb. And it doesn't mean that he's going to stop using you, because, because you sinned, because you, 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 you made a foobar. Foobar. F-U-B-A-R, fouled up beyond all recognition. That's what you did. You fouled it up beyond all recognition. And God will use you and God, and God, because God loves you. And, and if, God, if God loves you and God wants to use you, nobody can stop that. And if God needs to confuse the mind and the heart of a king in order to accomplish his will and his providential sovereign hand is involved in this situation, there's nothing you nor I nor any king can do about that. Nor any government, nor any people, nor any voting booth can do about that. You have to accept the will of God because God is involved. That's why I don't trip out and I don't freak out when things don't look like I think they should look on this earth. This earth is not my home anyway. We're supposed to be acting like we're going to somewhere else. Half of us are acting like this is our home and this is it. If this is all you got to look forward to, you must be pretty sad. I'm serious. You must be like on Prozac or something like that. You got to be on something. You got to be taking something. You got to be taking something because I couldn't do it. I can't do it. I can't. I can't. I can't. I was, I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, I don't know how people, I don't know how people live without Jesus. And I had to ask myself, I don't know how I live without him either before I got saved like 21 years or so. But, but how did I, how did I get by? I think that's what it is. I got by. But life in Christ is so much better than life without Christ. 
is so much better. And you can trust and you can relax because God is holy and God is eternal and God is sovereign and God is infinite and God is gracious and God is immutable. Immutable means that he never changes. He can't change. He's God. Malachi 3, 6, write it down. For I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and how long, saints? Forever. God doesn't change, and that should do your heart good. I think of Daniel chapter 4 in verse 17. Daniel was prophesying to Nebuchadnezzar, and he said, This decision is by the decree of the watchers, and the sentence by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. It's pretty fascinating. God still interjects himself into the affairs of men. I'm going to show you that again tonight, a little bit later, toward the end. But he still injects himself in the affairs of men, and nobody does anything without God's knowledge. In our text, we learn it was the Lord who proposed to defeat Absalom and not man. Look at chapter 17 in verse 15. Then Hushai said to Zadok and Abathar, the priest. Thus and so Ahithophel advised Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and so I have advised. Now, therefore, send quickly and tell David, saying, This is Hushai. Again, I told you he was buying time for David, right? And remember, he was there as a spy, and he was supposed to get word back to him as to what's going on in the camp of Ahithophel. And Absalom, here now Hushai is telling Zadok and Abathar, the priest there, to get this message to David. Do not spend this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily cross over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. Now Jonathan and Ahimaaz stayed at Enrogel, for they dared not be seen coming into the city. So a female servant... And I think King Jimmy said it's a winch. I ain't heard that word in forever. Are y'all read, anybody reading King Jimmy? It says a winch, doesn't it? I read that today. I went, man, I haven't seen that word in forever. Okay. It says a winch, but new King Jimmy, the most holy and anointed version, says, so a female servant would come. See, we're, we're nicer. For a female servant would come and tell them, and they would go and tell the king. Nevertheless, the lad saw them and told Absalom. But both of the men went away quickly and came to a man's house in Bahurim, who had a well in his court, and they went down like a cistern, and they went down into it. And then the woman took, and she spread covering over the well's mouth and spread ground grain on it and the thing was not known and when Absalom's servant came to the woman at the house they said where are Ahimez and Jonathan and so the woman said to them they've gone over the water brook they're not here and when they had searched and could not find them they returned to Jerusalem 
Now it came to pass in verse 21 after they had departed that they came up out of the well and they went and they told King David and said to, to David, arise and cross over the water quickly. For thus has Ahithophel advised against you. And so David and all the people who were with him arose and crossed over the Jordan by morning light. Not one of them was left who had gone over the Jordan. Now when Ahithophel saw that his advice was not followed... He saddled a donkey and arose and went home to his house. Notice what he did. Then he put his household in order. Got the last will, living will, all the stuff. Got stuff together, probably put it on the kitchen counter. Put his household in order and hanged himself and died. And he was buried in his father's tomb. Stop right there. So Ahithophel, pardon me. Hushai sent Zadok and Abathar, the priest, to go to David and tell him, don't spend the night in the wilderness, but move quick, cross over the Jordan because the king is coming. Giving David again time to regroup before Absalom gets there. Jonathan and Ahimaaz stayed in Enrogel and they didn't go to Jerusalem. And keep in mind, the whole nation didn't go over to Absalom's side, especially because he disgraced David's concubines and that was offensive. So Absalom and his men are out looking for Jonathan and Ahimez. And this boy in verse 18 saw them and told Absalom. And they came to the man's house in Bahum, which is about two miles northeast of Jerusalem, not very far. This man had a well in his yard and the woman of the house spread a covering over the well and camouflaged it with grain. And so Absalom's servants came to the house and they said, where are they in verse 20? And they said, they're not here. They went that way. And they looked around, they couldn't find him, and they went back to Jerusalem. And Jonathan and Ahimez came out of the well and told David, David, you need to move quick because Ahithophel has given counsel against you. Ahithophel, his name means brother of folly. Brother of folly. Ahithophel, listen, was a mix of practical and foolish. It's wisdom to get your house in order. Listen. It is wisdom to get your house in order. I don't know why I was talking about this, where I was talking about this, but I remember just recently t talking about a, a living will. You know, a living will. You know, we, it's kind of a, 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 an uncomfortable, weird thing to do. Weird in that it just feels weird. I mean, just talking about if I die, this is what you are to do, and then she, if you die, then this what you but 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 you get that done. We got that done. Uh, Elvira and I. Uh, that's getting your house in order. Um, uh, uh, um, your 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 will. Your will. You know, one of the worst things you can do to your family is pass away and leave things undone. You talk about people fighting and carrying on, and folk, and all of a sudden you got family you never saw. When you die, you want to know who your family is. Die. Well, you won't know if you're dead, but you know what I'm saying. If you, you die, just die, just die, just die. And you'll find out exactly who your family folk will come out. I'm cousin Harry on sister Sarah's side when we got married back in 1942. Then we had some children and then they became the cousins of the cousins of the cousins of the cousins. So I'm one of the cousins. 
If there's money involved, you know how that goes. Worst thing you can do is not have your house in order. Ahithophel was an interesting person. I mean, do your homework. He's an interesting person. He's, an, he's a mix of, of, of practical and foolishness. He Because his name means folly. Um, he got his house in order, the Bible tells us. That's wisdom. And then he goes out and he kills himself. That's folly. The reason Ahithophel committed suicide is because, listen, saints, he was eaten up with pride and bitterness. The Bible has a lot to say about bitterness, and we have had a lot to say about bitterness here. We talk about it all the time. Sometimes I feel like I'm talking about it every week. We talk about it so much. And I think it's, it is a topic worth talking about because I think that Christians don't, I don't know that we actually believe it's true. Somehow we just think, you know, well, you know what, I just, um, I just feel the way I feel. I forgive them and everything like that. But don't, you know, I'm, I, I wouldn't give them a cold drink of water on a really hot day. But I mean, I, I forgive them and everything like that. I mean. And I think, you know, we, we, we don't deal with bitterness. We act like bitterness is like in unicorn land or something like that. You know, it's bitterness is a real thing. And that's why the Bible has so much to say about it. Like, don't allow it to take root in your heart. The Bible has a lot to say about bitterness, and the Bible has a lot to say about suicide as well. The Bible talks about suicide a lot. I will tell you that it's not the unpardonable sin. It is sin. The ninth commandment, thou shalt not kill. It is sin, but it is not the unpardonable sin. Rejecting Jesus Christ is the unpardonable sin. There are six. Oh, you know what? In, uh, in the interest of time, I'm going to give you this for homework. There are six instances of suicide in the Bible. I want you to do your homework and go find them. Six instances or six people who have committed suicide in the Bible, um, there is an attempted suicide in the Bible. Anybody know what that is? Just off the top of your head. It's the Philippian jailer. Remember the Philippian jailer? That's an attempted suicide. He, the, the prison, Paul and Silas are in there singing praises to God. The prison shook, earthquake, the prison doors opened, and it's very dark in there, obviously. And the Philippian jailer said, um, the, and Paul said to the Philippian jailer, don't kill yourself. We're still here. So he was just about to commit suicide, but he did not. There are some theologians that say that Adam would be in that class, that category of suicide. In that, Genesis chapter 2 verse 17 says, In the day that you eat, you shall surely die. And we know that's death spiritually, but there are some theologians who put that in the category of suicide. I will tell you this. There is a prescribed way to commit suicide according to the scriptures. What are you talking about, Willis? There is a prescribed way to commit suicide in the scriptures. It's found in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Paul the Apostle said this, I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen, this is the way to die biblically. 
You died to yourself. Somebody say amen. You die to yourself. You know, people think that when you commit suicide, it ends all right there. That's not true. Actually, if you commit suicide or even when you die, it's actually all just beginning because we go on to live in eternity. You can kill the body, but you can't kill the spirit and the soul. Suicide is a satanic influence. Listen to me. I'm I'm trying to move on. Suicide is a satanic influence. God came to give you life. And if you're here tonight, listen to me. If you're here tonight and you're thinking and you've been thinking or you had been thinking or. That's not the answer. Suicide is not the answer. And I know that this is not a subject we talk about in church because everybody that comes to church is just happy. We're just all happy Christians who love Jesus and sing praises to God. And we all have no problems. Nobody has problems. Nobody has issues. I wish it were like that, but it's not like that. The reality is we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And don't let the enemy tell you to end your life. God wants you to live. He came to give you. Are y'all listening? He came to give you life and that more abundantly. He wants to give you life, not death. The devil wants to take your life. He came to rob and steal and destroy. But I, Jesus, has come to give you life and that more abundantly. Don't let the enemy rip you off. A hit the fell was so bitter, so eaten up, so selfish, so prideful that that bitterness turned to an acid. And all he wanted was vengeance on David, but he couldn't get it. And so, so sad, he took his own life. Look at verse 24 through 29. We'll wrap it up right here. Then David went to Mahanaim and Absalom crossed over the Jordan and he and all the men of Israel with him. And Absalom made Amasa or Mesa, captain of the army instead of Joab. This Amasa was the son of a man whose name was Jethro, an Israelite, who had gone into Abigail, the daughter of Nahaz, sister of Zorah, Joab's mother. So listen, simply, this is Joab's cousin. Why didn't you just say it just that quick, just that easy? This is Joe. We had to go all the way through the family line and all the way down there. Why don't we just say, this guy's Joab's cousin? Verse 26. So Israel and Absalom encamped in the land of Gilead. And now it happened in verse 27 when David had come to Mahanaim that Shobai, the son of Nahash from Ramah of the people of Ammon and Makur, the son of Amuel from Lodabar and Brazeli, the Gileadite from Rogelium, brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched grain and beans and lentils and parched seeds and honey and curds, sheep and cheese of the herd for David and the people who were with them to eat. For they said the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Okay, saints, let me try to wrap this up. Amasa, again, was Joab's cousin, so he's related to David. Absalom appointed Amasa captain of his army instead of Joab. David went to Mahanaim. Absalom chases David over the Jordan. As you study David's life, you can see that David spends a lot of time running. Somebody's always in pursuit of David. That's why I titled this sermon, In Pursuit of David. Somebody's always in pursuit of David. 
So David fled to Mahanaim. Now listen, Mahanaim is mentioned in Genesis when um, Genesis 31, 32. You looked that up in your own time. But Laban, I'll tell you quickly, Laban is chasing Jacob. And while Jacob's on the way, he is met by the angels of God. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of the place Mahanaim. Mahanaim. David comes to Mahanaim and is met by three men. You can take that verse down. I'm done with that. Thank you. David comes to Mahanaim and he is met by three men. Shobai is the brother of Hanan. Second Samuel chapter 10. You might want to write that right beside Shobai. Second Samuel 10. Hanan took David's servants and shaved half their beards, cut their robes. If you were with me in chapter 10, you know this. Shaved half their beards, cut their robes and cut their robes right in the center. So their buttocks was out and humiliated them. Second Samuel 10. Obviously, Shobai was a nicer brother, not like his other his brother Haman and Makure. He was from Lodabar. And a caretaker of Mephibosheth and Brazili. He was 80 years old and just a nice guy. Notice they brought beds, basins, earthen vessels, wheat, barley, flour, parched grain, beans, lentils, parched seeds, honey, curds, sheep, uh, cheese, and herbs. Um, listen, here's what I want to tell you about this. In the Hebrew construction, this is interesting, uh, especially for you uh, Bible scholars, you'll like this. In the Hebrew construction of the sentence, uh, of the language, it reads, and basins, and earthen vessels, and wheat, and barley, and flour, and lentils, and part seeds, and so on and so forth. Um, this is called a polysyntodon. A polysyntodon. That's P O, there you go, thank you. P O L Y S P O L Y S Y N D E T O N. A polysyntodon. And a polysyntodon is the use of several conjunctions in close succession. It's to draw attention to each item that the and is before and the and is after. A polysynthodon is a very specific structure. It's almost like, listen, it's almost as if the Holy Spirit is telling us that there is kindness to shown toward David. That kindness was noticed in heaven down to each single detail. And, 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 and. The Holy Spirit kind of just telling us, I think, that God notices these very small things. Again, the providential hand of God uh, and the beans and the cheese, you know, reminds me in the New Testament. If you fast forward, whenever people were weary and hungry, God always noticed in John chapter six, Jesus looked at the multitudes and the disciples said, we don't have enough. Send them away. And Jesus said, what do you have? 
And they said, five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus had mercy on them because they were hungry and tired and thirsty in the wilderness. And Jesus provided for them. And there was leftovers there. I believe the message here is if you want to serve the Lord, then do what you can and give what you can. And God will always receive it. And heaven will always notice it. Heaven will always notice it. When you do what you can, and that they gave, and, 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 as if God recognizes each and everything down to, it's like God cares about lentils. God cares about beans. God cares about cheese. And he even tells us what kind of cheese. It was herd cheese. God cares about the details of life. And God cares about the details in our lives, too. He does. We don't think that he is interested, but he really is clearly, I think, woven in the construction of the language here. We can see uh, the Holy Spirit giving us a message that God cares about every little detail that goes on in your life. And... And a polysynthodon. Um, probably never heard that word before. I had never heard that word before either until this afternoon. So we uh, learn together. These guys come out to David and they bring supplies to David and his men. And it's had to be encouraging for David to realize that there are some who still love him. And there are some who are still gracious to him as king, you don't want to miss chapter 18. I encourage you to do two things. Number one, I want you to go and do your homework. And I want you to find those six examples of suicide woven in the scriptures. I will tell you this. Give you a little. I'll, I'll throw you a bone. There, you'll find them in the Old and New Testament. So I'm going to tell you. That's some help. You could be all in the New Testament and you like really lost because there's like a lot of them in the Old Testament. See, I'm trying to throw you a bone. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.